It is my privilege to extend condolences to the family from my wife Beth and from me and from the entire incredible body of Christ called Calvary Bible Church. I am particularly pleased and grateful for the opportunity to minister God's word on this occasion of our sister Sylvia's homegoing service. The, let me state the obvious, that this is a Christian memorial service, one with hope, rather than a secular memorial service without any hope. This is so because Sister Sylvia Roker is a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had transformed her, saved her, made her new, and caused her to be faithful in his service within her family, within this church family, and beyond. And so Sylvia is the reason that we are all here, but Sylvia is not here. We are here to look up to the Lord in his word, to look within, to see our need, to look around, to pray for others who are in the assembly today. And what are we looking for? We're looking for God's perspective, hope, and perspective. Every human being is made in God's image. God is a triunity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but one God. Being made in God's image includes that we have three parts to us, but we are one person. We have a soul that allows us to interrelate with other people. Some people call it a personality. We have a spirit that allows us to interact with God. And we have a body that allows us to interact with our environments through our senses. When Sister Sylvia's body died, it gave up her soul and her spirit. And our understanding of scripture is that the moment that her soul and spirit were released from her body that had died, they immediately went to be with her Lord and Savior. To be absent from the body for the Christian is to be present with the Lord. And so Sylvia's soul is now safe and spirit now safe with the Savior. And one of these days when the trump shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first, her soul and spirit will be reunited with her body, which will be resurrected. And that is the day as believers in Christ and believers in the word of God's promises that we uh, believe and expect. I like Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, for they read this way, Remember him, that is God, before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel is broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. And so I say it again that dear Sylvia Roker is the reason that we are all here, but Sylvia is not here. You and I are here that we would look within, look around, but most importantly look up to the Lord in his word to see the perspectives and the truth and the salvation that uh, we can have in Christ. So let us ask the Lord's help for this helpful investigation this afternoon. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do ask for your help and grace to know you and your ways better. You have revealed yourself in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've revealed yourself in the Scriptures, the Holy Bible. 
And we certainly thank you this afternoon for both of these great and dependable revelations. We are most grateful that you have chosen to be a revealing God rather than to be a concealing God. Lord, we realize that you are still revealing yourself in this sense, that the Holy Spirit ministers the word of God, which he has written for us. We pray that we would have open and teachable hearts this afternoon for the Holy Spirit's illumination and communication and encouragement in this homegoing service for dear Sister Sylvia. Father God, may we all trust in you with all of our hearts. May we not lean on our own understandings. Instead, may we all acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you, Lord, will direct our paths. We know because you've told us in your word that as we do trust in you, you will direct our paths to your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For to know him and to trust him is to possess eternal life. And the creation and the Old and the New Testaments and the plan of redemption for sinners all center in Christ. May this homegoing service for our sister Sylvia do the same. May it be centered in Christ, the one whom she loved, the one whom she trusted for salvation, the one whom she served. And we pray this in his wonderful name together. Amen. Good afternoon. We're told in the Psalms, chapter 29, verse 2, to give to the Lord the glory due his name and a part of our gathering today as a local church and with you dear family members of our daily departed sister Sylvia is to give God glory. We give him a testimony of praise today for his many blessings that he bestowed upon this church. And sister Sylvia was a part of those blessings that he has bestowed on this church. She served well in our music ministry for more than 50 years. And she was a part of our music ministry as a choir member, as a soloist, and as a praise team member. Many of a Lord's Day, she stood right to my left, and she sang the hymn that we're about to sing this morning, uh, this afternoon, rather. To God be the glory. And so uh, we invite you to stand uh, as we sing this hymn of praise and as we give God the glory that he alone is worthy of.
church say? Amen. You may be seated. Nothing that any of us could say would be of the same comfort and the same help as what God has said first in his word. And I have several passages or verses I would like to share with us that we might be built up in our like precious faith in Christ. Before Jesus Christ went to the cross, he was in an upper room where he instituted the Lord's Supper as an ordinance for believers in him which would follow. But in that upper room and after that meal, he spoke to them a truth that has rung true through all of the ages and is a comfort to us as much as it was a comfort to those first followers. And the Lord Jesus said this in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him and to all gathered, and by extension to each of us this afternoon, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From John 14, I'd like us to consider 2 Corinthians 4, rolling into chapter 5. Hear what God has to say about aging, growing old as a believer in Jesus. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. End of chapter 5. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit, that's a capital S, the Holy Spirit, as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home 
with the Lord. That's Sister Sylvia, absent from the body, at home with the Lord. Therefore, also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. And then, I'd like to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through the first part of verse 8. Verses you may be acquainted with from weddings, and they're wonderful for that occasion, but they're also wonderful a time like this in a home going of a saint. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, but does, it does seek, excuse me, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Romans 8, precious verses to any believer, and I am sure to Sylvia. Romans 8, beginning at verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Will you notice it's a singular purpose? We're all as different as our DNA, but God has one purpose for every born-again Christian, a shared purpose. And what is it? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed, there it is, to be conformed to the image of his Son. God's purpose in saving each and every one of us is the same purpose, that with time we would be conformed to the likeness of Christ. And so the process of growing as a Christian, living with Christ on earth, with the Spirit of God in control of us, is that the Spirit of God chips off of all of us anything that doesn't look like Jesus. And sometimes that hurts. The chiseling of the Holy Spirit taking off of us what doesn't look like Christ, sometimes it hurts. But there's a design in it that each of us would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Reading on. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Will you notice that the surety of glorification for the believer in Jesus is so certain that the Spirit of God used a past tense to describe it to living Christians in Rome? It's like dominoes. When you set up dominoes in a serpentine fashion, when they're set up properly and close enough, you hit the first domino and the whole chain of dominoes will be knocked over until the end. The dominoes for the Christian, the dominoes for Sylvia as she was with us on earth are these. And whom he predestined, he also called. And he called them to justify them. And to whom he justified, he also glorified. That's a wonderful, sure pattern going on. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? 
he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, and who also intercedes for us. That's a staggering thought, that the Lord Jesus Christ, at the Father's right hand in heaven, prays for his believer followers. 35, who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is love. Psalm 150, because of Sylvia being gifted musically. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Selah, pause, think of it, and act upon it. And then Ephesians 5, again under the recognition of Sister Sylvia's musical voice, a beautiful voice that she shared with this congregation often and through other outreaches of Calvary Bible Church to far more than just our congregation. Ephesians 5, the command Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And the last verse I would like to share is Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2. A very curious verse. Uh, a very eye-opening verse. In Ecclesiastes 7.2, the text says, It is better to go to a house of mourning, M-O-U-R-N, mourning, than to a house of feasting. Why? Because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. God is saying to us in this verse that it's better to go to a funeral than to a wedding. Because death is the end of each of us. One way to look at it is at a funeral, we close the eyes of the dead, but we open the eyes of the living. 
and that is our prayer this afternoon, that the eyes of each of us who are living would be opened up to God's will for us in every respect. I'm going to ask for two tributes to come from the family at this time, uh, Miguel, and then followed by Sheila Roker, Mario's wife. Mario is not able to be with us this afternoon, so Sheila is going to read something that Mario has prepared. So uh, would uh, Brother Miguel and Sister Sheila please come at this time to present? Mario is indeed heartbroken to not be here today, and he wanted to share this with you. I would like to share with you the mummy that I know. I can remember way back when mummy and daddy started their printing business on Dowswell Street. They had many challenges, challenges that would make most of us throw in the towel. I remember when mummy and I would deliver printing to our customers. Not only did she get that check right on the spot, but she would return back to the shop, or to the print shop with a new order, smiling the whole time. On Fridays, when payroll was due, I sat right next to her in the bank manager's office many a time when she negotiated for the payroll. Although under pressure, always smiling, always confident, she never left without it. Even though mommy never had any formal sales or management training, I promise you that she would have given Dale Carnegie and Earl Nightingale a run for the money. Whatever she set her sight on was a done deal. Everyone know, if you needed something done, ask Sylvia, she would get it done. Many times after paying the staff on Fridays, she would have 30 to $40 left for groceries, but somehow we always had a Sunday roast white rice, coleslaw, and a potato salad. Mmm, delicious, as she would often say. Our treat was the drive-in theater, and we happily shared a two-piece box snack of KFC. Perhaps even we would even share an ice cream cone three ways. Boy, those were the days. As the business progressed, Mommy and Daddy bought a hilltop house on Harold Road. No electricity? no running water for years. And as a matter of fact, there was not a paved road to get to the top of the hill for years to come. But she never complained. She always maintained a loving attitude. Later, they moved the business from downtown to Herald Road and had an art gallery, gift shop, and tea gardens to boot. I remember when Colonel Sanders attended the first art auction, Mommy and Mummy had made the big, a big pot of her famous chili, which was on the fire hearth in the courtyard. Mummy's chili was so delicious that the Colonel Sander asked for the recipe, where she in turn offered to swap recipes with the Colonel. But the Colonel held out. And so did Sylvia. <laughs> While managing the business and the household, Mummy would make time for the choir practice on Thursday nights at Calvary. No matter what happened, she would not miss choir practice and the many events at church. There was no skipping church on Sundays either, Sunday morning and Sunday night. She was faithful until it was just physically too challenging. Mommy, I reflect on these early times in our lives, and I realize that what kept you going was your love of God and family and your laughter and your joy, which brings this first to mind. 
as great minds think alike. It is indeed 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of having been wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices where the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And I'd like to add, as a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, Sylvia sure shared a lot of medicine, a lot of medicine in her lifetime. Mommy, thank you for being such an inspiration to me. You have taught me the right way, and I will not depart. Although I miss you, I am happy for you. I love you, Mario. Good afternoon. Being here brings back so many memories. Growing up, I would sit in the balcony Sunday night. Two things I'd like to touch on today about Mummy is that this was her home. This was her home. Uh, Mummy was involved in the choir, as you said, 50 years, many years. Um, Thursday night choir practice was you know, rushing to get here on time. The days of uh, Aunt Elena, um, Uncle George, it was her life. Uh, church events were her life. She was often on the phone uh, making arrangements. And, uh, this was everything to her. Her friends were church friends. Um, this was her life. She had a wonderful voice. You would often hear it on the radio. Um, people would ask me, you know, your mom's on the radio. They had a beautiful voice. But she loved you, all of you. This was everything to her. And in the past few years with the pain, um, it was difficult for her to come out. And that really bothered her. But she missed you. The second point is that um, I came back from the States about 10 years ago. And she came to the airport, picked me up. And I hadn't seen her for years. I say, if Abraham could weep, so can I, right? <laughs> but she said her cell group, they had prayed um, for a close relative or a friend to come and stay with her because she was living alone. When she said that, I knew that was where I should be. And in that time, we, we were, you know, I got older, she was older. We became closer friends, I think, than mother and son. And um, we just had a lot of fun. It was different. Things were different. Times were different. As you know, Mummy suffered a bad car accident many years ago, leaving Billy Graham, Bernard Road, and left her in a lot of pain, even after therapy. And as she got older, the pain, you know, as she had more pain. But the most important thing that I could say to you is that in that, the Lord just gave me a special love for my mom. I didn't have to say that. It was very hard. Um, in July, she slipped, fell into the hospital, and nothing broken, nothing fractured. It was a miracle. Um, but since that time, walking was very painful, very painful. 
and um, often I'd lift her in the tub. It wasn't that bad. Sometimes it was a bit rough. But um, in doing that, mommy could be a little fussy, a little mouthy sometimes. A little. <laughs> um, but it was just, um, and then, you know, Carrie, then she'd get inside the tub, and when she felt the warm water, she would just say, Oh, Miguel, the Lord bless you. She'd say it over and over. It brought her great relief, but it brought me great comfort. And he just gave me a love. I mean, just know that your sister Sylvia, my mom, was absolutely spoiled. I'd get her frozen chocolate at night. Tea made a certain way. A special cocoa at night. Special yogurt in the morning. It, I mean, maybe I'm a good son, but that was the Lord. God gave me that. And um, she'd always say, oh, Miguel, the Lord bless you. And um, I think sometimes she wondered where that came from. But it was what he gave me for her. And um, yeah, she was spoiled. She was my focus for many years. Um, some of you <clears throat> here today, I teach uh, the trading currency, and they would ask me for a class. And I would say, well, let me just make sure things are straight. And she was my priority. She was number one. But... Um, She's home. She's home. She went in peace. I wish it wasn't on my birthday. <laughs> but uh, I'll miss her very much. Um, but she's 82. She had many years, many good years. So just know that this is her home. She loved you. She missed you. And she was treated like a queen. And going through the uh, photographs for the uh, brochure, I came across some in her 20s? I mean, that girl was gorgeous. Did she miss Miss, miss Bahamas? Man, I, how do you get so slim? <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, picture, absolutely beautiful. And um, in the tough times with the pain. And she wasn't in, I mean, the pain after she fell in July, the osteoporosis, it was a little intense, but she'd always talk about you. Anton, your kids, Uncle Steve all of you, that kept her going. She loved everybody in this church. So it's sad, but if we believe that when we die, we meet our creator, she's rejoicing, she's with him, and uh, we have to move on. But uh, I'd often make her laugh, crack jokes, and so I'll miss her, but um, God bless you, and uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Miguel and Mario at a distance. Thank you for what you submitted. And Sheila, thank you for reading your husband's tribute. Brother Tillman Bethel is going to come at this time to minister in song. I want to thank the family for this honor to sing this afternoon for my very dear friend Sylvia. Sylvia was 
very special to me. I know sometimes somebody would call me every day of the week just to find out if we were doing okay. We went on lots of trips together. We met together with other friends. And she was just a very special lady and she loved singing. So when I was trying to decide what to sing this afternoon, I thought about singing the Holy City because I know she loved that, to sing that as much as I do. But then I figured Sylvia always talked about the main champion in her life was Jesus Christ and he is the champion of love. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to introduce to you in this corner of the good and the right stands a champion robed in white. His height exceeds the heavens, his weight outweighs the world, his reach reaches everywhere. His age is evermore. He is higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He reigns from this arena to raise his hands in victory for you and for me an angry crowd crucified this king who wore their crown and they gladly watched their champion going down but I will never count him out for I'm a witness of the day he arose to retain the title, Champion of Love. He is higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He reigns from
Yes, he is the champion of love, and if we can talk to Sylvia today, she would let us know that love has lifted her all the way from earth to glory, and God is love, the scriptures tell us, and I understand from the family that this next hymn that we're about to sing was one of Sylvia's favorite hymns of all, Love Lifted Me. Would you please stand as we sing this song then, which was a testimony of our sister that love lifted me.
Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much, choir, for your ministry for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the musical reminder we have just heard that heaven is our home if we're believers and that earth is not, for the reminder that we go 
as a believer, when we pass, we go from the land of the dying to the land of the living. Thank you for the truth in your word that for the one who is right with you in Christ, dying is gain. Now, Lord, as we come to your word, we would come with soft hearts and humility. We would not come to pass judgment on the scripture, but to know the scripture will pass judgment on us. We ask, Lord, that you'd help your servant to be hidden behind the cross of Christ so that the beauties of Jesus and his salvation would be manifold and manifest. We ask this in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. This homegoing message is titled, Praise the Lord, the Singing Never Ends. And as we've been hearing and as we've known before we've come to the service, I'm sure that Sister Sylvia Roker had a beautiful, God gave her a beautiful singing voice, and she used it often for the glory of her Savior. And the text that I want to share with you in these minutes is Psalm 100. Psalm 100 reads in this way, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. And his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. One good way to look at any scripture passage as a student of the Bible is to focus in on the verbs, the action words that you find in the verses you are studying. When one does that approach with this psalm, there are the following observations with respect to the verbs of Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before the Lord with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God, the one who has made us. For we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Those of us who knew Sylvia, knew that that was basically the soundtrack of her redeemed life, that she did these things and did them well with the Holy Spirit's help. And let me ask you this. We see the verbs in Psalm 100, but exactly why are we to shout, to serve, to come, to know, to see ourselves as sheep? Why are we to enter and to give and to bless? Why? Well, verse 5 tells us in a very clear manner, for the Lord is good. That's why. The Lord is good. God is good this afternoon. God is good 100 years ago. God is good into the future. God is good regardless of our circumstances. Uh, God is good. And God's goodness in this psalm is evidenced for us in at least two things. Number one, his everlasting loving kindness. His everlasting loving kindness. The Hebrew word here is hesed. It means loyal love. It means loving kindness. It means perfect love. And this hesed, this uh, everlasting loving kindness, is lavished upon the believer in the Old Testament economy and on the believer in Christ in the New Testament economy. 
I went to seminary in Dallas, Texas, and one of our assignments in our class was to go out to houses and knock on doors and to see if people would like to know about the gospel and about Jesus. And I remember going to an apartment complex with a team of students, and I saw a man there outside, so I just started a conversation, a beautiful golden retriever. I said, hey, that's a great-looking dog. What's his name? And he goes, Hesed. Perfect name for a golden retriever, loyal love. I said, do you realize what that means in the Old Testament? He goes, yeah, I'm a seminary student at Dallas Seminary. I said, oh, great. But God's everlasting loving kindness, irrespective of our, of our meriting it, is one of the reasons that we are to enter into the worship of God and the lifestyle of honoring God that this particular psalm calls us to have. And as the saying goes, Strive to be as good a person as your dog thinks you are. <laughs> and with God's grace, God's salvation in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we can be the good person, not just that our dog expects us to be, but that our wife or our husband or our children or our grandchildren or our business associates or our customers want us to be. And so one of the primary reasons why we are to have these outlooks and lifestyles is God's Everlasting loving kindness. But there is a second reason that we are to enter into the verb actions of Psalm 100 that have been read already. Not only it's God's everlasting loving kindness that ought to prompt us to these things, but equally it's God's faithfulness to all generations. God's faithfulness to all generations. I believe we have several generations of the Roker family here this afternoon, and we're so glad that we do. And these generations of the Roker family are to typify the generations of, in my case, the Elliott family, are your surnames. Christ is able, willing, and deserving of having first place in the lives of all generations of all families, all of them. And so the question becomes, if a motivation to having the response to God that Psalm 100's verbs call us to is God's faithfulness to all generations, then it begs the question, are we as individuals within respective families tapping into God's faithfulness? Not grandpa's faith, not grandmother's faith, not auntie's faith, but is it a personal faith in God, in Christ? And you say, well, what aspects of God's faithfulness ought I to plug into? Let me just list a few. God's mercy towards you. That is God's withheld judgment. And in some cases, suspended cause and effect. That's mercy. Or what about God's grace towards you? If mercy is holding back the bad that we deserve, then grace is giving us the good that we don't deserve. Are you tapped into God's grace? His offer of salvation for you in Jesus, the forgiveness of your sins, answered prayer, a place in God's family like Sylvia enjoyed and we enjoy being family to her in a spiritual sense. Are you tapped into God's faithfulness? Are you tapped into God's faithfulness insofar as he keeps his promise? God has never broken a promise to anybody. God never broke a promise to the nation of Israel. God's never broken a promise to the church. God has never broken a promise to a believer in Jesus. What promises? Well, things like, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. 
or the promise to the Christian. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. That's a promise God's going to keep. Or what about the promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? God's good for that promise. Or what about the promise he, for the Christian, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until, until the day of Christ Jesus. It's a promise God's going to keep. And then within our own psalm, the promise that believers in Christ are the sheep of God's pasture. The sheep of God's pasture. Are you tapped in? Are you tapped into God's providence in your life, the mate that he gave you if you're married, the job you work at right now, the protections he's given you on the roads of Nassau and the airplanes of Bahamas Air and other airlines? Are you tapped into the providence of God in your life, his provisions and the divine appointments that he shows up in in our lives? Are you tapped in? Are you tapped into God's sustaining of your life, breath, heartbeats, memory, food, shelter, God's sustenance of our lives, tapping into his faithfulness to think about it, to thank him, God's abiding presence. Wherever you go, if you are in Christ and Jesus is your good shepherd, your good shepherd goes before you. There is no situation you will face this week, this month, this year, that Christ isn't in it first, ahead of you. You know, cowboys drive cattle from the back of the pack, but shepherds lead their flocks of sheep from the front. God's abiding presence. What about tapping into the faithfulness of God to provide for the believer advantages, like the Holy Spirit, like the scriptures, like spiritual gifts, church family, purpose? In life, Are you tapped into God's faithfulness as it pertains to his salvation invitation that I'll be giving on his behalf in a few moments? You know, salvation is a many-splendored thing. When Christ saves us, he saves us from sin's penalty. That's justification. He saves us from sin's power. That's sanctification. He saves us from sin's pleasure. That's also sanctification. And one day, as, as uh, dear Sylvia is experiencing... He will save you from sin's presence in heaven. That's glorification. Tapped into that. You know, really, in many ways, not perfectly, but in many ways, Sister Sylvia Roker lived Psalm 100 because she made it her business to acknowledge the goodness of God. Whether life was easy or hard, whether business was going well or poorly, whether it was convenient to come to choir or it was not convenient. She tapped into the faithfulness of God and she made it her business to acknowledge the goodness of God as evidenced by the never-ending loyal love of God and by God's total faithfulness to all the generations of her family whom she loved very much. And so Sister Sylvia's life on earth was, was usually a beautiful advertisement, all this. Shouting joyfully to the Lord, serving the Lord with gladness, coming before the Lord with joyful singing, knowing that the Lord himself is God, the one who made her, knowing that none of us are makers of ourselves. Seeing herself as one of God's own persons, one of God's own little lambs that the good shepherd Jesus shepherded. 
entering God's gates with thanksgiving and praise, Sunday by Sunday, not just Christmas and Easter, not just when it was convenient to enter his gates with thanksgiving, not just when it didn't cost her anything to enter God's gates with thanksgiving. And so funerals remember the dead and they challenge the living. And so really, typically, when Sister Sylvia was giving attention to these things I've just gone through in, on earth, Sister Sylvia Roker's redeemed life was a dress rehearsal for eternity in heaven. And so I have to ask, because I would be a negligent pastor if I didn't ask, are you plugged into God's faithfulness? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Is your faith in Jesus your own faith? Not your spouse's faith, not your parents' faith, not your grandparents' faith, not your church's faith, but is your personal faith in Christ? You know, we all get to see what we're looking for in life. Way back when, in 2006, when some incredibly generous believers in the church that I was pastoring gave us a brand new car, a Toyota Yaris. You see them around town here, they're called the Vits. But in Canada, they were the Yaris. And I'd never seen a Yaris in my life when I was gifted with the Yaris. But boy, I'll tell you what, when I started driving that Yaris around uh, in Canada where we lived, I started to see Yarises. Oh, look at this one. Oh, yeah, that's a Yaris. Why? Because I was looking for the Yaris. You know, compared to the rest, most all the rest of the world, every one of us is filthy rich. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people in the world. If you can attend a church or a synagogue meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people on planet Earth. If you have never experience the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are more blessed than 500 million people in the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and spare change in a dish, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million who will not survive this week. Truly, most all of us have lots of material possessions, but material possessions are either a window to see God or a mirror to only see ourselves. And if we consider our balance sheets and our property deeds and our vehicles and our electronic devices and our clean bills of health as being only attributable to our own smarts and work, then these things are mirrors. We're only seeing ourselves. And if someone has aptly quipped, a person wrapped up in him or herself only is a very pathetically small package. So I don't want to be a mirror person, and I don't think any of you want to be a mirror person. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Because from heaven's vantage point, the emperor has no clothes on. 
Instead, we can make and we should make the decision to let our balance sheets and our property deeds and our electronic devices and our vehicles and our college degrees and our clean bills of health to be windows through which we see God, that we would praise him, that we would sing to him, that we would serve him, that we would enter his gates with thanksgiving even when it's difficult. That we would consider as we look through the window of God's blessing and provisions in our life, that we would see his goodness, his loving kindness and loyal love for us, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his promise keeping, his providence, his sustenance, abiding presence, provided advantages, invitation to salvation, willingness to welcome us as believers into his family called the church. That only happens as we trust Christ and only Christ to be the remedy for our sin. The Bible says the man in the pulpit is a sinner. And he says, the word of God says that we all are, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we earn paychecks for falling short of God's glory. It's called death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, notice the gift, of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. No one can earn heaven by being religious or philanthropic. No one can earn heaven for doing anything that merits, so-called merits heaven, because God says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it salvation is the gift of God. Why? Not of works, so that no one will boast. If anybody could earn heaven, you can imagine they're strutting around the golden streets, and if I got it as a grace gift, as an undeserving wretch, and I met them in heaven. I said, how'd you get here? And uh, he says, well, I had perfect Sunday school attendance and I, I was in the Kiwanis Club. Nothing wrong with the Kiwanis Club. And I'm going to feel like dirt. But God says, no, nobody in heaven will be able to brag about getting their own merits and efforts and relig religiosity. Everybody in heaven will receive it as a grace gift. And so the way that's done, I'll be brief, the way that's done is a sinner understands his bankruptcy, her bankruptcy with respect to spiritual currency, and says, Jesus, I believe you died in my place instead of me, and you took unto yourself my sins. You had none of your own, Jesus. And when I trust you, I believe you, Jesus, that you'll give me what I don't deserve, which is your righteousness. That's how a person is born again. That's how a person is saved. That's how Sylvia Roker became a Christian years and years ago. <laughs> There's a tombstone in Indiana that says, Pause, stranger, as you pass me by, as I am now, so you, so you will be. Oh, let me get it. Pause, stranger, as you pass me by, as you are now, so once I, as I am now, so you will be, so prepare for death and follow me. <laughs> Somebody did a bad thing in the Indiana uh, graveyard. Someone did a very bad thing. They took something and scratched on the tombstone. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> That's really the issue. Funerals close the eyes of the dead with dignity and love, and they open the eyes of the living to see that there's a heaven to be gained but not earned and a hell to be shunned 
That is it. And so my prayer, and my prayer this week has been the same prayer as I'm praying as I'm preaching, is that all the persons here today would leave this time knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and then carrying out the joy of serving him, singing of him, worshiping him in the family of God. And from heaven, I'm convinced that Sylvia wants all of us to trust her Savior, Jesus. Because praise the Lord, (laughs) the singing never ends. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to remember Sylvia's significant life and to look with the eyes of faith into what is unseen grace and mercy and forgiveness in heaven. Give us all, Lord, eyes to see the unseen because it's eternal. May we not just restrict ourselves to the seen because some of that won't last this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name, his victorious name, the one name that he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Thank you for your good attention to God's word. Would you stand for a time of committal? This is a complete uh, funeral service here in the sanctuary. Please stand. Thank you. Just like to read a passage of scripture before we have the committal, as noted in the bulletin, the service will conclude here. There will be none, no service at the grave site. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 15. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen unto each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earth is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Because if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. At the beginning of his message, Pastor Rob said that Sylvia will be raised again. And he said that with conviction and with assurance. 
Now, how could he do that? How could he give us that kind of a statement that Silvia Roca will be raised again? I'll just briefly let me give you several reasons. First is because at one time in Sylvia's life, by the way, I just noted that Sylvia and I have the same age. I think I knew Sylvia and uh, Sylvia and Angelo before I knew Christ. I just sat there and thought that. I can tell a lot of stories, but I won't do that. <laughs> Otherwise, Pastor Rob will push me out of the church because he knows I speak a long time. But there was a time in Sylvia's life when she heard the gospel. She heard that she was a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. She heard that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for her sin. And because of hearing the gospel and believing the gospel, Sylvia Roca placed her faith in Jesus Christ. And she became a new woman, a new person in Christ. So as I take this red rose and put it on the casket that contains the remains of Sylvia Roca, I do so with the assurance that because she placed faith in Christ, she was washed in the blood of Christ and her sins were forgiven. But something else happened. When she was washed by the blood of Christ, she was also robed with the righteousness of Christ. That righteousness that we need to stand before God as being right in his presence. So she was washed in the blood of Christ and she was robed in the righteousness of Christ. That gives us the assurance that she will be raised. So as I take this white rose and put it on the casket that contains the remains, the bodily remains of Sylvia Rocco, we do so with assurance that because of her faith in Christ, she was washed by the blood of Christ of her sins, she was also robed in the righteousness of Christ. And Sylvia Roca believed that because she believed God. God does not lie. God does not go back on his promises. We can be sure of that. So as I take this blue rose, it speaks of truthfulness. I do so with assurance that because Sylvia believed God when he said that if she received him, she would be washed in his blood, she would be robed in his righteousness and she could believe that because God does not lie. We believe Silver Roca will be raised again. Silver Roca then, when she placed faith in Christ, she became a new woman. She became a new woman awaiting a new body. And that's where Silver is now. Although she is present with the Lord, she is waiting for a new body. A body that will be transformed to be just like that of Christ. She became a new woman awaiting a new body. And as she awaits that new body, she has the assurance that one day, as a new woman in a new body, she will be placed in the new Jerusalem. And this gold flower speaks of the streets of the new Jerusalem paved with gold. So as we see here, 
The reason then why Sylvia will be raised and we have the assurance is because she placed faith in Christ. She was cleansed by his blood. She was robed in his righteousness. She's trusting his word. And one day, Sylvia broke up as a new woman in a new body will be placed in a new Jerusalem. Big question is this, we have that assurance, will you be there also? Because the only way you will see her again is if you place faith in our Savior, as Pastor Elliot has already said. So we commit her physical remains to the ground, knowing that one day that body will be raised and transformed into the glorious likeness of Jesus Christ himself. And we have the assurance of a God who cannot lie that that will take place. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the assurance that it gives to us who are now alive that we place faith in Sylvia's Savior. We too will be washed from our sins. We'll be robed in his righteousness. We can depend on his word and one day as a new person in a new body, we will be placed in a new Jerusalem. Thank you for every remembrance of Sylvia. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Imagine that day when we, with all the saints of the ages, will gather and we will be in heaven, praising our Savior forever and ever. I look forward to that day, don't you? to be with Sylvia again and all of the redeemed. Let's sing with this hope that when we all get to heaven, not if we all, but when, those of us who place faith in Jesus Christ, when we all get to heaven.